Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name here, and I am joined not by Tom Adams, because as you might know, Liverpool lost quite badly to Brighton yesterday, and Tom is still crying 24 hours later. So I'm joined by the one, the only schnitzel, who has now relocated to Germany. So we are no longer in that coveted IST time zone. So schnitzel, how are you doing right now? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. And like you rightly said, I am in a different time zone. But thankfully, we're not as far away from each other as our American brethren who always make us stay up super late for our podcast. So I think that's pretty convenient for both you and I. Like you, it's probably like seven o'clock or yeah. around 17 p.m. out there. And right now here it's around uh, 2.30. So I think it should be I mean, you have the best of both worlds right now because you are right in the middle of the United States and India. So you can do podcasts with any of us. Whereas now I am suddenly alone here in India. So I'm the odd one out. But Uh, I will, yeah, I I I have to do more podcasts with Teddy. Tom doesn't make us wait for his laptop for like an hour or two. I think we're doing Tom is graduated to new excuses he's now all about his girlfriend which we might have to talk about some other day but yeah meanwhile things have been going on with Bayern Munich which this club never seems to stand still even though we haven't had a game in what feels like I don't know ages but we did have a friendly for the first time in a long time and we got to see what I suspect Nagelsmann might use as a lineup against Leipzig at least the bones of a lineup against Leipzig. And we also saw a lot of youngsters play in the final 30 minutes. So first of all, Schnitzel, overall impressions of Bayern Munich's 4 all draw against Salzburg. I won't do a full game recap because the entire match and highlights are available on YouTube. You can just go watch them. And to be perfectly honest, it's a friendly, I mean, how much can you really overanalyze it? But on this podcast, we're going to do that anyway, because that's our job. Yep. I think despite it being only a friendly, it was against a very, very good team. I think Salzburg are one of those underrated sides in Europe that always tend to spring a surprise against bigger opposition. And they have a very good attack. And I'm pretty sure the Bayern brass is already looking at some of the players in Salzburg's team because they're being scouted by pretty much everyone in Europe. As we all know, they kind of supply amazing players to top clubs. So... In that sense as well, it was kind of like a scouting game. But overall, I think it was a good test of Bayern's resolve. And in the end, it ended 4-4. So I don't think you you can say that it was a stroll in the park. It was actually pretty uncomfortable for Bayern's defense at times. But overall, I think we got to see quite a lot of good performances. I mean, which of them stood out for you, really? Well, I would have to say that it's kind of strange to think about. But senior players did not really impress me compared to the junior ones. Like the youngsters, when they came on, they were just like blisteringly good. Matty Tell, oh my goodness. Like this kid, uh, I'm ready to see him start in the Bundesliga, like regular starting appearances. I know he's still, I don't know, did he turn 18 yet? Um, I'm not sure, but he's really young. But the way he plays, he the way he shoots the ball, oh my goodness, it's like, it's like Erling Haaland in a way because there is no wind up, but the power he gets on the shot, like his shots are like bullets and his accuracy is out of this world. He does not have a great left foot and um, cutting in from the right hand side. He's not that very good, but as a striker and as a left winger, both roles he seems to excel in. Then there was 
Arihon Ibrahimovic. My exactly. goodness. Yep. My goodness. This guy was like his shots were so accurate and he just came on and he was dazzling. And it's not like he was him and Tell were the only players in attack. You had Kingsley Coman there and Coman did score and he did get, I think it was an assist. I'm not sure. But Coman was there, but he was completely outshone by these two youngsters starting up top. And I saw a comment made by, I think it was Frank, who often covers youth teams for us. He said that given the amazing talent of these guys, guys like Ibrahimovic, guys like Wanner, available in the youth system for us, maybe we shouldn't go after words in the upcoming years. Just let these guys develop and let them come into their own and get a place in the buying team because they yeah, look I think I amazing agree with right that assessment. now. Yeah, yep. yeah and I agree. honestly, and... You, you have to think about it like... If they do get to that point, then what is the point of you know wasting several hundred million, uh, like a hundred million on Havertz or sorry, Wirtz? I I keep thinking of Havertz when I think of Wirtz because they are say, kind of the same sort of thing. But yeah, and I think that you know from a youth setup, I mean it's really encouraging that in the recent years we've been able to develop so many players who have enough quality to make the jump to the first team because. You know, historically, it's always been that issue, whether the players in the youth setup are good enough to make it all the way to the first team. And we've seen examples in the past, Thomas Miller, David Alaba, Philip Lam, but that was in the past. And I mean, even Joshua Kimmich, for instance, he was signed from another club. So it has been a while since the youth setup has been giving us so many talented youngsters. And it is honestly so good to see so many rising and shining. And I think I can hold you testament to the fact that I've always been big on the Ibrahimovic hype train from the very beginning. Like, I know you, that this guy possesses... I don't remember that. I, mean, I don't remember you, you talking about it. have to go through every single article that features the youth and has Ibrahimovic remotely, remotely mentioned and you'll see a schnitzel comment in there. So I think yeah. you can you can check that for yourself if I'll, you have the I'll, time. And I'll post the receipts yeah. in the comments of this podcast. Sounds good, but... yeah. So okay. anyways, I, what I was trying to say is that uh, Ibrahimovic, I think, is a generational talent. And I'm not just saying that because I like throwing that word around a lot, but because I have seen a few games of his for the campus and the most recent friendly was also testament to his skills. I think he is a very, very well-rounded midfielder at such a young age. We saw that he is very good defensively. He put in a very good defensive showing in that game. His tackles and blocks were excellent. And attacking, he did score a wonderful goal. And his ball distribution abilities are really good. So I think, in a way, he could be the successor for Goretzka. Or in fact, he might even usurp the rest of the players if he keeps this rate of development going. So like you said, I don't really think we need to sign any more midfielders or attacking midfielders in the coming years because there's Paul Warner, there's Muziala, there's Ibrahimovic, we have Ryan Gravenberg, who we haven't even talked about. So I think we're set for the future. Yeah, um, I kind of have to agree. Like, Ibrahimovic, just based on what we saw, I think that along with Tell, he should be added to the first team rotation in the second half of the season. Like, I get that he needs games and he needs time and he doesn't, and he should not be just added to the bench for the sake of just making the match day squad. He should be getting a few minutes here and there at this age because that's what Muziala was doing, right? And the very earliest parts of his emergence, like, Muziala was just making a few cameo appearances here and there. And then suddenly he made the breakthrough 
in what was it 2021 and then he became a proper first team player in 21 22 and now he is a starter in 22 23 so i can envision that kind of a trajectory for ibrahimovic if the squad is used that way but as we know with Nagelsmann, he has been reluctant to use youth players when the situation calls for it i will say that last season he was genuinely under a lot of pressure and he did not really have the leeway to use youth but this season this season we seem to be in a much better position and i hope that the fact that we have these injuries in defense and in the keeper spot those things don't prompt Nagelsmann to skimp out on building the squad for the future because that's one of the things that he was brought in for, which I keep bringing up, like he wasn't just brought in to bring trophies to the club. He was also brought in to develop these, a lot of these youngsters for the next generation of Bayern Munich. And I also have to give credit to Brazil here because in this, we can see the fruits of the transfer and recruitment policy put in place by Brazil maybe three, four, five years ago. It is always hard to evaluate like a sporting director as the sporting director is working, right? Because often you'll see the fruits of their labors not come into effect immediately, but rather a few years down the line. So a good sporting director may not have an instant impact, but a bad sporting director can sink you very quickly. Brazil did not sink us. And although I will say that there are plenty of things about him that I should and have criticized, I will say that his recruitment, especially in the youth department, has been absolutely top class. And right now, I would honestly rank Bayern Munich's youngsters and youth players above Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, 100%. And I also think something very important to be mentioned here is that Brazo is also very, very swift when it comes to signing the campus youngsters to professional contracts. And he's already yes, done it with yes. Ibrahimovic. He has already signed Paul Warner on a long-term contract. And it seems like these youngsters trust both Brazo and Nagelsmann. You know, they always mention after getting signs, uh, after getting signed, uh, that Brazo has shown faith and his presentations really convinced both uh, our parents and myself. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll be very happy to play for Bayern for a long time to come. So he's giving them that security as well, which is great because yeah, just now, compare it to like Dortmund with Mokoko, it's a night and day difference. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, obviously, like the difference. There is also the difference that Bayern can genuinely offer a faster path to the top than Dortmund can because if you make it at Dortmund then you still have to get a big money transfer and a lot of these Dortmund youngsters they want the money immediately whereas at Bayern we seem to be fostering a culture where the players the young players they decide to stay and they decide to prioritize the development with the eye to making the first 11 of the best club in Germany no matter what so I think our system is working better than Dortmund's right now. I, I just have to say that, which is very, it's it's a big dif- difference from what we used to see not even five years ago, where we ha- were just lamenting the state of our youth, like Nicholas Dorsch and those guys, they were absolutely nowhere near the first team and they were just leaving in droves and nothing was happening. So, yeah. Yes. And I also think that Dortmund, uh, like, I don't know, it's all of these factors combined have limited their ambition overall. It's almost like the players, any player who joins or is already in the youth system and who is super talented already considers them, I mean, by the age of like 18 or 19, if the development is crazy, uh, consider them 
bigger than the club itself. And they're always thinking of moving away from the club rather than committing to the club and staying there for the longer run. Because yes, maybe they're not the best financially, but that's not everything. It's also about the vision and convincing the players that there is a bigger role to play here rather than just using the club as a stepping stone, which Bayern is doing excellently. You know, Now that there are already examples for the rest of the youngsters at the Bayern campus to emulate, they have seen what Muziala can do. They have seen how Chris Richards came to the Bayern starting 11 and then is now a starting player for, I think it's uh, very Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yes, yeah. He played as a starter for Hoffenheim and then Crystal Palace. He's really amped his career. And you also have other youngsters from, you know, the core group moving up, like Paul Warner, who is getting more minutes as time passes, and Ibrahimovic, who is earning the coach's trust. So this, this this whole campus situation is so encouraging because now you have some other youngsters within the setup. Like, I think Ayub Aiden keeps men- keeps getting mentioned frequently. Yeah, uh, we got him from Barcelona, didn't we? Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's I think been mentioned, yeah. Javier Fernandez as well from Atletico Madrid setup, if you remember. We signed uh, I do a... not remember. I will be okay. honest. My knowledge of the youth setup is actually pretty limited. Right. So, so <laughs> I, I guess I, I'm just hyped. I, I'm just hyped by Long the story youngsters short, because uh, they have a very, very straightforward path that they can emulate because they have already seen other players do that. So there's a yeah. lot of encouragement in that part. And I'm pretty sure Brazo, when he sees a talent, he's going to snap them up and he's going to make sure they commit long term. He is. Yeah, and Brazo's hit rate right is quite good. Like you look at Tell, he looks like the real deal. You look at Fonzie, my goodness, no one, no one was looking at Fonzie, right? Like no one was really ready to make that leap on an MLS player. And Brazo said, nah, this is guy, guy. And Uli Hannes specifically mentioned Brazo as the guy who was pushing to sign Fonzie. And then there's Muziala, Muziala, my goodness, this, this kind of thing. And you just, it's just so funny because you think about Muziala, we got him for free from Chelsea. And look at what Chelsea are doing right now. Spending a hundred exactly. million on, uh, like, who was it? Would like yeah. half the player. <laughs> Not even half the player that Muziala is. And it's just so funny to see these things happening while we are sitting here high and dry. And it's also like, as you mentioned, the pathway at Bayern and the culture at Bayern encourages these players to stick around and sign their professional contracts, which is a problem, for example, for Dortmund, because they, since they cannot seem to convince Mokoko, they are having issues signing him on to a new contract because he wants to get the bag immediately. He doesn't want to wait. He doesn't want to jeopardize his development potentially in the coming seasons. Whereas Muziala and Dortmund are offering him a massive contract. Like they are offering him more money than Muziala makes right now. How does that make sense? Right. But it, exactly. Yeah. It only makes sense if you think about Dortmund being absolutely desperate to keep him and they have completely messed up by not starting contract talks earlier. But I as Mazzello, we Coco, completely... Yeah, I also Coco, heard something yeah? really stupid. I'm not sure if this is true, but they were uh, like scrummaging over 1 million euros or something. Like he wanted a pay package of around 7, 7.5 million and they were only offering to pay 6. And that I, is why... The they rumor I heard was he was demanding 10 million net. Okay, that is a lot of money. That is but... a lot. Of, that's that's something that maybe an EPL club would pay, but Dortmund would never. Even Bayern would not pay that. Like that's. But more I think than the difference with Bayern Ponzi is and... it's not. Yes, yeah. there is the package, the pay as well, but also how convincing their plan for each player is. Yeah, like... because it's also like Bayern. In addition to that, they open doors for you. Like you look at Muziala and Mukoko, where they are in the respective 
for example, the national team prospects. Moziala, as soon as he broke through for Bayern, he was immediately grandfathered in into the national team. Compare that to youngsters at other clubs, guys like Wurz or Makoko, who are in the same age bracket, but nowhere near the setup, simply because they don't have that top-level experience that comes with being at Bayern Munich, training with the national team guys all the time, being immersed in that culture, getting to know the coaches, the staff at that level. So there okay, is so also, that's that's like an underrated aspect true. of being at Bayern, like the environment that Bayern can provide that Dortmund cannot. Yes, I think that's true to an extent, but also I think something that we're not considering here is that like we shouldn't probably use Muziala as a prototype because he is like one of the best players we've ever witnessed as a ball dribbler and as a creator. It would be unfair to compare him and Mukoko, for example. A better comparison would be like Muziala and Erling Haaland, you know, because yeah, perhaps. Muziala, you can say, is what he is to his position. Uh, Erling Haaland is as a striker in his position. I think that would be a fair comparison. Like, yeah, I think that's more... a fair comparison. Yeah. Okay. So Erling Haaland, amazing at Dortmund grabbed everyone's attention in the whole world, just like Muziala is doing right now. But you see, two, three seasons in, and he's gone. A player of Muziala's caliber at Dortmund would only be there for two or three seasons, realistically. And if they're lucky, maybe five. But that is the max. Because That's also what we're hearing about Bellingham right now, that he wants to leave this summer. He's probably gone by the summer. He's gone. Yeah. 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 And... Even if he doesn't I'm, go to like Liverpool, who are doing really terribly, it might be Man City, it might be this, that. Whereas Mozilla, he's is, not going anywhere. The sad thing is Dortmund will just be like, hey, we're happy to get that 80 million check. You can yeah, have and then play. they spend it on like three mediocre guys three, and one amazing talent. guy. Yeah. And then exactly. repeat the, the thing again. Repeats. And yep. Yeah, the cycle repeats. Yep. And it just erodes their club culture because it feels like everyone is there just to... Like it's just treating it as like a summer training camp that is there to train and not to actually be, you know, it's like it's like summer Dortmund training. are yep. football's version of an internship, right? <laughs> Am I yep. wrong? Like if you, no, no, no. Yeah. it's like the... yeah, it's like that kind of thing. Whereas Bayern very much don't have that, and obviously that's down to our financial muscle and our financial might. But like the way that Dortmund is run, it's just it's just like yeah, and they could be honestly... run differently. Couldn't I they, used to they... criticize Ajax for the very same reason. Like, they keep losing players. They're like a, you know, sort of a stepping stone club. And also the fact that they are very happy with selling players. But Ajax, at this point in time, they're even better at that because they're also managing to sell mediocre players for high sums. Like Yeah, like... they do that. And on top of that, they are recently much more competitive than Dortmund 100%. in the Champions yes. League. Yes. And the Europa League. And on top of that, you think about the relative financial difference between um the Bundesliga and the, the Dutch Eredivisie. League. Yes. It's much, yeah. it's much it's a much wider gap than what is the difference between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Dortmund are still one of the top fifteen clubs in the world in terms of revenue, but they don't act like it. They don't act like a team that should be ideally in the Champions League round of sixteen every single year and possibly the quarterfinals. I think didn't were we talking about Bayern though, or did we get sidetracked? I think yeah, we were talking about the Bayern Youth Campus. I think we have made a point. We are very happy with yeah, Brazo. We are very happy with the youngsters. Who do you think should get a guaranteed starting role, or rather, at least a role in the rotation in the Rukrunda, who hasn't already been around as often in the Hinrunda? You already mentioned two names, but maybe elaborate yeah. a little on that part. Yeah, I think Tarek Buchanan. He might end up getting into the rotation, not because he is ready but simply because we have a looming crisis at center back 
Okay, yes. That needs to be addressed, I think. And who else? Who else? I mean, we already have Paul Wanner, Ibrahimovic, I yeah. mentioned. Do yeah. you think Paul Wanner might get minutes? Because I don't think Nagelsmann is ready to start him at attacking midfield, though. Yeah, we can't start him at attacking midfield. Attacking midfield, if Muziala is not starting there, then it's for Thomas Muller. There's a brewing war there in attacking midfield because we Nagelsmann seems to want Muziala there as many games as possible. So, But if... I don't understand why... Paul Warner and Muziala can't play together on the pitch. Like, why is that well, not a possibility? Well, they can. They, they can. Yeah. But right now, you think about the number of attackers behind Munich have. There's Chupo, there's Tell, there's Muller, there's Sane, Gnabry, Koman, Muziala, and Muller. So, that so many see, people... We know, that, just for... we know that when the Rücklinder starts, some of the players are going to be very hit and miss. I know for a fact that Gnabry is going to go back to being inconsistent again. Look, like, even, trust me on this. even if... They and... are hit and miss. We are paying Coman, Sane, Gnabry, and Mane. Each of them are getting 17 million a year plus. Okay? Then there's Chupo. Then there's Tell. Then there's Muziala. Then there's Muller. Okay? These guys, simply on the basis of the wage bill, it does not make any sense to keep these guys out of the rotation unless they are injured. Like No, Nelson, I think it's more it's like just... if you deserve to play, you just play. I don't but think... But seniority plays a role, in my opinion. I think at any point in time, Nagelsmann should and probably will pick the players that he thinks are performing the best in the training and also are best suited to that game plan. I'm we not have saying often that seen Nagelsmann pick. We have often seen Nagelsmann actually pick senior senior players over youngsters when it comes down to it. Like you look at yeah, that is last season with um, what will they say? Like often Sane or Gnabry or Coman getting minutes ahead of Muziala when Muziala was clearly ready to start games and start games in a, important games. That kind of thing. I'm Nagelsmann is guilty of it and I can see him doing it again this But this you can season. also see that once he sees the talent that players have and how they're performing on a regular basis, he is not afraid to play them every game, like Muziala, for example, and Tell. Yeah, but it takes a while and I don't think that's going to, that massive paradigm shift is going to happen in the next six months. I think it's going to be maybe, maybe when not these guys Paul are Banner, a little bit... But I think Arjun Ibrahimovic might at least get a few substitute minutes in games quite consistently. I'm not saying he'll be a starter, but I believe he will at least play a Pukal match or two and a few Bundesliga games because he looks so mature at such a young age. And I think that given a little more first-team time, his skill set could develop massively. And I'm pretty sure Nagelsmann also sees this because in the game, if you might have noticed, his physicality was up there amongst the rest of the Salzburg midfielders. He was sort of going up right into the challenges and unafraid of, you know, shunning himself away from such things. So I think that's a very good indicator that he is ready to take the next step up to the Bundesliga, which I'm not sure what Nagelsmann believes, but I think it is looming sooner than later. So I think we should uh, wrap this part up and move to the next topic of discussion. Okay, so our next topic was going to be the senior team and... Well, we weren't really going to talk much about this, but I have something very important to discuss, which is the fact that Julian Nagelsmann is making a huge, 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 huge mistake. He is playing Thomas Muller as a striker, and I don't know why. We know, we have known, and we will know well, until the end of time, Thomas Muller is not a good striker. He does not make a good striker, and I don't know why Nagelsmann thinks he can play in that position. Chupamoting, Matty Tell, fine. They can play a striker, but not 
Thomas Muller. Even Sadio Mane is a better striker than him right now. If you need to play Thomas Muller, play him behind the striker at attacking midfield. And if Jamal Muziala needs to play, then he can play either attacking midfield when Thomas Muller doesn't play, or he can play on the wings. This is my most major gripe with Nagelsmann right now, and it's actually driving me insane. I mean, there's nothing to suggest that this was just a friendly and you this 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 probably will happen the rest of the season because yes this might be him just trying things out but i really don't see nagelsman doing the same mistake that flick did in the world cup because that was really stupid it was very very stupid and we all collectively agreed that not playing full krug and playing thomas miller as a lone striker was probably one of the biggest errors hansi flick has made in his career along with also fielding really terrible lineups throughout the world cup which was well, part of the reason why they got knocked out. And also, not to mention their terrible substitutions, but we know in principle that Thomas Wheeler doesn't function well as a striker, as a solitary striker. So I think Nagelsmann was just toying around and he really is Well, the other play. thing that I should mention is that that's not exactly what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about Nagelsmann going strikerless. I'm more worried about him choosing a lineup where Thomas Muller doesn't feature at all, where he puts... Chupamoting up top, Ziala behind him, Sane on the right, and either Gnabry or Coman on the left. Because he has been absolutely adamant that there will be no cases of Thomas Muller playing on the wing. He will only be played centrally, which is fine by me, but he cannot be playing centrally as a striker. Whereas Nagelsmann repeatedly keeps bringing up the concept of Muller playing as a striker, and he also repeatedly keeps saying that Jamal Muziala will now, from now on, be played in his preferred position, which is attacking midfield. Because of that, I think there is going to be a clash there, and I'm not looking forward to it, because in my opinion, Bayern Munich as a whole still needs Thomas Muller. It still needs the overall vibe that Thomas Muller brings, and I don't see any reason why Muziala and Muller can't coexist on the pitch as long as Muller plays as an attacking midfielder and Muziala plays on the wing preferably the left wing where he can combine with Fonzi, whom he has great chemistry with. So I see your point. I just think that Leroy Zani's form is so good that he always starts on the wing, okay? And yeah, but that's the right He literally thing. scored on his debut. Yeah, and on the left side, there are three players contesting for one position. We have Matthew Tell, we have Kingsley Coman, and Serge Gnabry. And Gnabry, I think, is mostly still going to be inconsistent. But with Coman and Tell, who we saw in the game, I think they have a realistic shout to start consistently in the coming games. which Coman and consistent up. don't go together either. Okay, let's say Coman doesn't play and uh, play well Matty Tell or Serge Gnabry might pick up the slack. I mean, it's three wingers for one position. You can't expect all three of them to be terrible at one point. Well, realistically, is... Sané can't play every single minute of every game, so he will need Yeah, rest. obviously. Yeah, so, so then... there are games where he the wingers will get games there. And then Matty Tell, he can be played instead of Chupa Moting as striker, right? Because Chupa Moting can't be the sole striker in every game. And no, but even Muziana if you argue well. that, even if you argue that, doesn't Thomas Muller just become a bench player in that case? Your your argument is my argument is not that game. Thomas Muller would become a bench player. My argument is no, that no. like he starts in midfield in attacking midfield. No, what so I'm saying is everyone okay else. For- it's okay for Thomas Miller to be benched in favor of Muziala at attacking midfield. That's what I'm saying. Like it's. Fine. I don't think it's okay because then you are losing out on the on what you get from having Muziala on the wing and Muller in midfield. In my opinion, a lineup 
with Muller and Muziala on it is better than the lineup with Muziala and three other attackers that are not Thomas Muller. But that's only if Thomas Muller is being played in attacking midfield and Muziala is being played on the wing. I think any other combination kind of ruins it. And like, if I had so to make rather... like a, if I had to make like a tier list, I would put okay. like a like Muller on in attacking midfield, Muziala on the wing at the top. Then below that, I would put Muziala in the middle and two random wingers who are not Muller in the middle. And then at the bottom, I would put Muziala in the middle and Muller as a striker because Muller does not work as a striker. So because of that, I feel like Nagelsmann is actually choosing the worst out of three options. And even if he doesn't choose that option, he's going to end up choosing the second worst instead of what is ideal, in my opinion, for buying Munich at this stage. I think once Sadio Mane is back from his injury, this is going to be miserable because what? Sadio Mane, Chupo Moting, Mati Tell, uh, Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry and Leroy Zane for two positions if both Muller and Muziala start. Do you do you hear how insane that sounds? That's that's mental. And also It's not it's uh, not that mental because look, think about it. Muller is 33. He's not going to be playing every single minute, right? Yeah, he the has same thing goes for, Same thing goes for... And Jamal Muziala, he's still very young. And he's not a physical beast like Fonzie. He's not going to be playing each and every single minute of every single match either, right? We still need to protect him. So based on that, and Sane, he shouldn't be playing every single minute either. Like he can, but he shouldn't. So based on that, there is no reason for... Sadio Mane won't be back until like the middle of February. So we have that time. And... Because of that, there is no reason why Nagelsmann can't institute a rotational system that gets all of these guys good minutes, but keeps Muller and Muziala on the pitch together in the ideal configuration when the big games roll out. Because that's what I'm most concerned about, the big games. I don't care necessarily who lines up against, what is it, Baham next I, I, next time we face them, yeah. right? It can be literally anyone and we will still win. But I care about who lines up against PSG because you get that lineup wrong, it's over. There is no shot at getting back into the tie. What that's what the, the Champions League is, right? Honestly, the Pokal, the thing is that in the Pokal, Bayern Munich is the biggest dog, right? We are okay. we are the best team in the Pokal. So on the basis of quality alone, we can make a lot of mistakes and still go through. It hasn't happened in the last two seasons. But it's just a general rule of thumb for the Pokal. But in the Champions League, we are still one of the biggest dogs. But there are many other teams that can challenge us. Even the mid-level teams in the Champions League are way better than what I would consider good teams in the Pokal. Like, you think about Dortmund. Dortmund are regular Pokal, like, uh, either finalists or semifinalists, that kind of thing. How often do they make it into the later rounds of the Champions League? Almost never. So... Think about it from that perspective. So if we want to make the later rounds of the Champions League, we need to be prepared for a level of play that is far higher than what we normally expect in the Bundesliga. Even though I would say that the league this season is back to form, we are seeing a much higher standard of play than we saw last season. In spite of that, I would still say that we need to hold ourselves to a much higher standard. And because of that, I keep saying we need to use our tools available in the most con- efficient configuration. That means Thomas Muller in the attacking midfield position, Chupa Moting up top, Muziala left, Sane right. That is for me, the Champagne 11 attack. Okay? I, I don't know how you can disagree with that. 
I just think that uh, Thomas Miller, obviously, there is no value that can be placed on the intangibles that he brings, like leadership and the IQ and the vision that he brings to the pitch. And pressing. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, he he reorganizes the entire attack after every possession lost, and he makes sure that everyone is on their heels throughout the game. All that is good. But then again, number one, Thomas Miller is not going to be able to play a lot of minutes because one, he's aging. Number two, he doesn't look the same as before. Especially, I mean, yes, he was played as a striker, but despite that, in the World Cup, I think there were several times when I just felt like maybe this definitely isn't the Thomas Miller that I've seen in the past. Even with but we've him seen this before, pitch. haven't we? We saw this back when Kovac was like thinking it up. And when Ancelotti was trying to do his own thing, trying to put Muller on the wing and do this and that, like we've seen this song and dance routine before. And every single time Thomas Muller has come back. And I don't think because Thomas Muller's game is based on IQ and reading the game, that kind of thing doesn't decline with age. Okay. So- I just think that it's okay to, from time to time, like bench Thomas Muller. I think it's fine. It's not the end of the world. It just, it also depends on how the other pieces of the team are functioning is all I'm saying. Like Thomas Muller, definitely against a team like Barcelona or Real Madrid, I would definitely love to have him in the attacking midfield. But maybe against, I don't know, teams like maybe if we face Napoli or Liverpool in the Champions League or something like that. Like I'm just saying I wouldn't mind seeing an inform Muziala, Sané and maybe Matthew Tell or, you know, Kingsley Coman if they're all in form play ahead of Thomas Miller in the pecking order. And even Sadio Mane, like, how do you bench him in a clutch Champions League game? He is known to turn up when the occasion is big. So I don't think it's necessarily Thomas Miller should absolutely never be benched in big games. He is the one and only starter reserved for every single occasion. I think it's more like Nagelsmann needs to find the balance and also not be afraid to bench Thomas Miller because at the end of the day, Bayern at this point in time have a lot of good functioning pieces. And it's about getting the best configuration for every single setup. So, yes, Thomas Miller is amazing and all that. But I also think it depends from changes from game to game, essentially. like it I think on the that is an example of maybe overthinking it. Because the way I see it, there is only maybe one, maybe maybe a very small amount of different setups you can use at the top level. That is, you either have a setup that works or you have a setup that doesn't work. We saw it with Flick. How many changes did he ever make in that final run leading up to the treble? Like, he basically fielded more or less the same setup and the same team pretty much every game. The only changes he made were in positions where there were definite toss-ups in terms of form or in terms of function. Because, what, he played Perisic against Barcelona and then he switched to Coman in the final and that kind of thing, right? Where Perisic and Coman, there is not much difference between them in terms of quality. Whereas if you're thinking about systems and you're thinking about setups, that kind of thing never changes. That kind of thing, the best teams don't change them. The best teams find what works and then sticks to it. And that is what Nagelsmann, in my opinion, needs to do. He needs to find the setup that works, the setup that is absolutely the most efficient for Bayern Munich, and then stick to it. And right now, I feel like he's going down a path where he's experimenting with setups that are inefficient and are going to waste everyone's time. And the simple fact of the matter is we face PSG only three weeks after our game against Leipzig, which is next week, right? So there is no time. There is no time to get it wrong. And we've seen 
against PSG, you cannot mess up the first leg and then just go back to Munich and decide, yeah, we're going to do it here. That kind of thinking always does us in. We cannot afford to mess up the first leg and do it again. We need to get it right the first time. I think one That's thing I will definitely kind of agree thing. with you on yeah. is that if Bayern is ever playing a team with Messi on it, Thomas Müller has to play without a doubt, blindfolded. Because it's not just yeah, because whenever Messi plays against Bayern, right? So the team structure of the opposition, I think Thomas Miller reads that structure really well. And he's used to playing teams with Messi on it. Teams with I think you've been kind of star players. I think you've been um given to saying, selection bias because in my opinion, I'm not just saying the player that Thomas Miller matches up best with is not necessarily Messi, but Busquets. No, no, I'm not talking about a player-to-player match. I'm talking about, yeah, you know, reading like, the system as itself. A, as like a system, so, right. Yeah, I but think I understand Thomas what you mean. will be but... effective in trying to guide the midfielders and the defenders to press the areas of the pitch where Messi, you know, does his magic. I get what you mean, but I still think that it's more of a side effect of Messi being in teams that had Busquets on them. And Busquets is kind of the guy who, like, determines how, like, a team is set up. Because the DM is usually the most important What makes you say that uh, Müller wouldn't have the same effect against Verratti, for example? Against because Verratti is a completely different beast. He's like, he's he's very mobile, he's extremely press-resistant, but conversely, he's an amazing presser. So I don't think it's the same kind of equation, really. That being said, I still think Müller would play. I still think Müller should start because his interventions are always gold. Like, you think about the Champions League final that we won, like people remember Kimmich's delivery into Coman, but who was the guy who expertly Passed got in front Kimmich. of Thiago yes. Silva and yep. sent the ball right into Kimmich, who I was in space? That wasn't was it a backheel pass or something, right? It wasn't backheel, but he got in the way of Thiago Silva, oh, yes. occupying he him. Laid remember, he, like, he, yes, he laid it off to Kimmich. Like he laid it off to Kimmich, and he kept yeah. Thiago Silva occupied. That left Kerrer alone, marking Lewandowski and Coman. And Kerrer, being Kerrer, he couldn't like. Uh, both get players, anything. Yes. Both, both, yep. like he can't mark a single player at the best of times. So marking both of them. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that happens. So that's the kind of those are the kind of intangibles that Thomas Muller can bring to a game in any circumstance, right? So that's why I keep saying that you can't have a team, an ideal Bayern Munich without him. But I guess we are not going to really agree on this. So I think we should move on to our final topic because we are almost <laughs> out of time here. So all right, Schnitzel. Yeah. Bad news on transfers. Jan Sommer probably is not coming. We are one week away. We are well past our January's what, fifth, fourth something deadline. We are well past that. We have no Jan Sommer to speak of. In fact, the transfer seems less likely than ever. We have no alternatives. We have Nagelsmann literally begging in the media. Where is our goalkeeper? We need a goalkeeper. He's literally begging. It's, it's looking very bleak, isn't it? It is. I honestly think if Bayern do not manage to sign a top keeper in the window because I love Ulreich. We all do. He's a great backup, but he isn't a good starting option. He isn't a good starting option. And he he still gives me nightmares from that game against Real Madrid where everything just fell apart for him. I think that kind of made me lose my trust in how much we can count on him when the occasion is big. So I'm not very comfortable with playing him against the best of opposition like PSG. I mean, if Manuel Neuer... I know that he did have the off day against PSG last, or was it? No, two seasons ago. Yeah. If he struggled against PSG two seasons ago, I can't imagine to think what the situation will be like against a lineup featuring the likes of Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. So And Messi, yeah. 
Can it's we just... please not have Ulreich in goal? Like, let's just get anyone. I mean, Jan Zomer would be perfect, but we probably won't get him. So that leaves us with a few options Who? that won't end up costing a fortune. So I don't know. Like, uh, at this point in time, we're probably not going in ever for Emiliano Martinez because I don't think he is the type of player in terms of character and principle that Bayern are looking for. So that leaves us with, I think, Yasin Bunu has already been discussed quite often in the past. Alex Newbel, who I really want Bayern to bring back. He doesn't want to come here. I don't think he's going to come, yeah, which is very unfortunate. Then uh, Ian Melier from uh, Leeds, who's also a very, very good shot stopper. And definitely someone I would trust more than Svenal Reich in goal. And obviously Livakovic, who is quite bang average in the, I think it's the Croatian League, right? Yes, bang average in the Croatian League. So not great options, but definitely all upgrades over Ulreich. So best case scenario, we somehow still land Jan Zomer. Bayern ends up coughing the 10 million up that Wanjing Gladbach want towards the end. Worst case scenario, we, don't, we won't get anyone and we probably get knocked out by PSG in the Champions League. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really add anything to that because I don't know any keepers that are available at this point who exactly. we can get and who technically satisfy our needs because we do need a keeper that at least, if not a German, at least speaks English so that he can communicate with the back line, right? Yeah, I think a person who can slot like perfectly for Neuer at this stage, it's quite impossible. But the closest players to that, probably Ederson from uh, Manchester City. I think but- Allison. Allison as well, him. to yeah. an extent, to an extent, yes. But, Should we uh, put in a cheeky bid for Anderson? <laughs> why not? Why not? He might be happier than getting pumped 3-0 by Burnley. <laughs> Burnley? No, no, no. Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, Brighton. that's how irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> you don't even know oh, the club. Man. Yeah, you're like, who? <laughs> who? And, exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's not even talk about Chelsea and how they're doing in the yeah. Premier League. It's, it's it's nuts in the Premier League right now. And Arsenal are winning. I, I, I have to go. I think tonight is the North London Derby. So I'm going to be yes. watching yeah, yeah. against Tottenham. Yeah, so I'm going to be watching that. It's crazy how Arsenal are seem to be winning the league. So really well. I'm yeah, really pumped really well. for that. Yes. I'm I mean, looking forward to Arsenal being back in the Champions League. For obvious reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm hoping that maybe Fulham can, you know, pull off something and maybe make it into the top four. Because then it's always nice to have new London clubs in the Champions League, right? 100%. Yes. And West yeah. Ham never made it. So. It was all of the London clubs. Yeah, make all it the top, love London clubs. top four London clubs. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the best. Exactly. Serge Gnabry is waiting for Gnabry his one would good just, game. Oh, man. <laughs> one yeah, we, good he game might actually justify club. the yeah. 17 million a year we give him. Just one good game and that's it. He's gone again. But that yeah. one good game is enough to take us to the next stage, you know, in the Champions yeah. League. So not complaining. Yeah. Not complaining. That's kind of the thing. So I think that's all we really had to discuss today. I don't really have much else to say. It's it's looking a little bit bleak in terms of our roster, but we have such a good squad together. Honestly, we have I still a good think attack. that like we, need we have a good defense. attack, defense, more bodies, we can in still like and goalkeeper. But yeah. if we get lucky, if we get lucky, if Dilek is fit, if Upamecano is fit, if Fonzi is fit. And if Matsrawi maybe recovers from his pericarditis soon, like not super soon, but soon, or if Pavard is at least, he plays with his head screwed on tight, we can still get lucky, right? We can still do something. 100%, yeah. But I would prefer if we got a new goalkeeper and new yeah, defender. Yeah, I would prefer that as well. So I guess that's Dazzle. our takeaway for today. I think yep. we should wrap up there. So 
Thank you for listening. This was I Need No Name and Schnitzel. You can find us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever podcasting platform you listen to. Check out our blog where we have full match coverage, news, analysis, pretty much everything you can think of. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening and good night. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen.